Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. Talking about creation. Is creation true and factual? We're looking at reasons to believe. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. I had a pastor that used to say, Brother Hirth believes in the Exodus account of creation. From Exodus 20 and verse 11, Brother Patterson used to always tease me because I said, For in six days, guess I should look over there and read it, huh? For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. And I believe in a six-day creation. However, we're talking about reasons to believe, and I know we've looked at some of the different aspects as we talked about atheism and is there a true God? Is God knowable? We've talked about the historical Christ and some of these things we've looked at many of these different aspects about creation. However, creation and evolution now seem to be a matter of faith. It's the greatest controversy that we face today because it has such ramifications for our daily life. It means so much. And what you truly believe is going to be the basis of your actions. And that's one of the Principles that we've been talking about throughout this series. So this continues to be a controversy in the schools, in the courts, and in science today. Creation or evolution? So the question is, is it intellectually feasible to believe that a supernatural intelligent being, God, created the world, the universe, and all living things? Or is it evolution? Or is evolution a scientific fact? that has empirically and logically been proven by means of a scientific method, by observation, hypothesis, testing, and predictable results, that life is the product of purely material universe that came into being by random chance and or by accident. you find that also in your notes. Evolution is being taught as a fact and not as a theory. There are two definitions that I think we need to understand. There is microevolution. In other words, change happens within a species. We had two dogs. We had a poodle and a spitz that got together. And we had spadoodles. You can take a lion and a tiger because they're of the same species, and scientists have done this and come up with a liger. However, the spadoodles could reproduce because they were dogs, but a lion and a tiger cannot. Just as if you take a donkey and a horse and you get a mule, it cannot reproduce. So we can see in all those things there is an evolution in series and species. That's why we have some tall dogs, 200 pounds, and some dogs 
five pounds. Well, they're all dogs. But we've manipulated their genes. We've gotten certain characteristics that we like. And so there is microevolution. We've done that with plants, with hybrid plants, so that you get a better tomato. You get a better rose or whatever it might be. We have all kinds of different. But then there is Darwinian macroevolution. Evolution that evolves from one species to the next. And there are various groups within this camp that were, are within this theory of evolution. There's the classic Darwinian evolution idea that from a protoplasm, the fish came and then the fish wanted to walk on ground and then it, you know, became a monkey and then began to walk upright. That's the classic Darwinian position. There is a new evolution position that evolution did not come about by random chance, but by biology and by a supernatural creator and maybe from another planet. They have come in and planted life on the earth and started evolution. There are now Christian evolutionists that believe that God started evolution and he created this world and he's got evolution started and now evolution has come about. Years ago, many of our Baptist forefathers and some of them wrote in there was the gap theory that there was a period of time between Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2. And this is a theory that I was taught. It seemed to meet the need because it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. So the gap theory teaches that there was a period of time from when God created, that Satan fell, and then the earth became without form and void because Satan came and destroyed the earth. And so we don't know how long that was. There are a couple of problems with that. For one, you won't find any Bible version that says the earth became because of the consecutive wah. The consecutive wah means that you must translate the word was. The word earth was without form. It cannot be translated became without form and void. But there's another problem. It's a theological problem. For the Bible teaches in the book of Romans that death came by Adam. One man. Now, if you have a world that was created and created perfectly, and then Satan came and you had widespread death, then death was already here and death did not come by Adam. And so we have a theological question, a theological problem. We'll talk about that another day. You see, that's why I think that in six days God created the heaven and the earth and created them all exactly as they are. All except that there is no evidence for evolution, but it must be accepted by faith. For we see in the simple DNA of a cell, that simple cell could not have just come about. And I'll, I'll give you some ideas of how random that would be for a cell to come about and for proteins to come about as they did. But the new thought is that life came from another planet, someone, something other than God brought and did that. So when we look at creation, we recognize that God had a design. God had a, a purpose. And we accept that 
There is a God, but we do that by faith. However, I'm going to give you a little evidence that we believe rightly. That our belief is not just purely in vain or in faith out there. Well, there's a new group of scientists as well called design theorists, and their fundamental claim of Darwinism that, namely, that there was a common descent through selection and modification but it is not well supported or not well self-evident, but that there was a design in mind. And maybe that there was some force that designed it, but it was not God. So you have design theorists. So the major movement for intelligent design, that evolution is kind of like putting dynamite on a lumber truck. Years ago, I drove a lumber truck out of here just over here out of Stockton. And I would take and deliver the lumber. Well, could you imagine if you had a lumber truck and you put a bunch of dynamite in that lumber truck and you lit the fuse, boom, and it blew up. What are the chances that it would fall into a perfectly built house? It's the same that we could look for in evolution. Or if a tornado comes through a junkyard and a 737 comes out, it's the same odds that that's going to happen as evolution. Well, there was a biologist by the name of Colin Patterson. He's a British paleontologist, actually. There was a meeting of biologists and geologists, and he did this twice. He did this in the United Kingdom, in Britain, and he did this again on the East Coast at Cornell. And while the biologist and geologist were meeting in this conference, he asked a simple question. Is there one single fact that you can prove evolution beyond any doubt? Is there anything that you could produce as one absolute known fact that proves evolution? Quiet. They could not come up with one fact one known thing that proves evolution. It's just simply a theory. Therefore, it is taken by faith. You must hold that by faith because there is no fact whatsoever. The theories of whether or not there was dinosaurs, evolution says there was about 70 million years from the last dinosaur to the first man. Hi, give me a moment to update you with a bit of information. You can reach us now at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. You can also reach us at P.O. Box 837, Valley Springs, California, 95252. Please contact us with comments, questions, or to receive handouts and printed material. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, back to the podcast. However, when you look in the book of Job and you look in chapter 40, you see something that looks like a brontosaurus. It's called behemoth. And you can read that. You can read about that. You can go to Texas to the Paluxy River and you can see where there were dinosaur tracks and then the footprint of a modern man stepped inside of that. What about in 1977? The Japanese fisherman, the Japanese troller that was off of New Zealand that pulled up the carcass of a plesiosaurus. That was in 1977. A plesiosaurus in 1977? We don't know what's in the deeps. You know the Apaches believe that the Thunderbird was actually 
a pterodactyl that was struck by lightning. And there were three Apaches that saw this great bird in the sky and they went and they saw that it got hit by lightning and they found it after three days journey. And they found where that pterodactyl led and they explained it and, they, and that's where the Apache Thunderbird came from. Well, what about in 1811, there were some French fur trappers in Minnesota that come into an Indian camp and there they are partaking of a woolly mammoth, 1811. Those things were written and kept track of. In the first encyclopedia in the early 1600s, dinosaurs were listed as having been alive in the 1600s, but they were been diminished in size. Alexander the Great, when he goes into India, they find a certain cave in India where they found that they were keeping certain dinosaurs and used them for various beasts of burden, matters of history. If evolution is true and there were 70 million years between these, how do we rectify these things? So just because somebody wears a white coat and has a doctor degree doesn't mean you have to believe them. Were you there when God created? Were you there? Were you there when evolutionists supposedly created? How do you know? Because if we weren't there, there may be millions of types of protein in the human body, and each one is a beautiful, miraculous work of God, I guess we'd say. When I was a kid, my parents gave me a toy slot machine. It was a bank. Now, in thinking back about this, I don't think that a toy slot machine is a proper toy for a child, unless you're wanting to prepare him for a life of gambling, right? But I had this little toy bank uh, that was a slot machine, and you'd put a penny in it and pull that, and those, there were three wheels and all kinds of different symbols. And I bothered my folks so much about getting pennies to put in there that finally they just opened the back, so I'd just take the pennies back out. I could keep playing them. Now imagine one amino acid. Let's take collagen. Collagen, you would need 1,055 amino acids to make up one collagen cell. 1,055. So the chances of 1,055 molecules that would come into sequence to make collagen spontaneously by self-assembling will take that little slot machine and make it, uh, let's say, about 90 feet long. We're going to take that toy bank slot machine. It's 90 feet long. It has 1,055 spinning wheels. And in each one of those spinning wheels, there's 20 figures because there's 20 different amino acids that you could use. So now what are the chances that when you pull that bank's slot machine, that you will get the same figure in 1,055 slots. You're going to be there a long time, right? Pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling, trying to get 1,055 all to come up with the same figure. It's not going to happen. Well, that is the same statistic that we see that it would take to make collagen, which is one cell in your body. One. It broadens greatly when we think of, well, let's just take 
200. If it just had 200, because many proteins have about 200 amino acids. So what if you had that same little slot machine, you just had 200 of those, and you want to get of those 20 amino acids, you're tr trying to get them to all come up at the right spot. It's just not going to happen. As a matter of fact, the chances are given and they're prescribed in the sequence of 1 in 10,260. That is a 1 followed by 260 zeros. That's more than all the atoms in the universe. That's the chance that that's going to just happen by random chance. And yet we're talking about several hundred thousand types of proteins, maybe a million proteins, each unique, and each one making up who you are so that you're happy and satisfied and you have all things that you need. Do you see that? We're just talking about one little molecule, one little bit, but that's how God designed you. So beautifully and so amazingly. So the logical process of Darwinism, the survival of the fittest, leads to certain ends. Have you ever seen eugenics? In other words, we're going to work to change the genealogy. We're going to change the genes. And today with work that's being done in the DNA and genetics, that if you want a child, even if you have dark hair and brown eyes, but you want a blonde-haired child with blue eyes, they can go in and change the genetics. And they can make that happen by changing certain things. But you see, the idea of survival of the fittest then is, well, if I don't have a blonde-haired, blue-eyed child, then I destroy that other one. I destroy the makings of that. Because after all, it's survival of the fittest. The ultimate result is, you know, once we become elderly and we're not a contributing factor to society, well, we'll just give you a pill and we just let you go to sleep and we just put you out of your misery. Or what happens with unwanted babies or unproductive populace. You see, that's the idea and that's the logical conclusion that evolution brings us to. We've seen that in Nazi Germany. Well, let's get back to Scripture. Because Jesus had a key role in creation. And I've just thrown out all kinds of different ideas, but I want you to recognize that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, and nothing that is made was not made without Him. So in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir to all things, that through whom He made the universe. You see, when we come back to recognizing that God is the Creator, then we have something in which we are holding to a tangible right and wrong, that we are going to have to give an account to the Creator. And this will never fly in the higher circles of academics, of course. They do not want to hear about God supernaturally doing anything. By the way, when Adam was created and he was a day old, he didn't look like we think of a day old child, right? He was mature, full grown. And when God created the sequoia tree, it looked like it had been there 500 years. 
And when God created the rock, it looked like it had been there 10,000 years. And when he created everything, it had the appearance of age. And so even at one day, the fruit trees were giving off fruit, looking like they had fully matured and they was all there. And that's the way Jesus created, and that's the way it was. But however, in academics, they're not going to accept that. And the battle over evolution and creation is really a battle of what you're going to believe and what you're going to put your faith in. If evolution can be proved, then we might as well eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die and there's nothing else. We can write God off. We can take God right out of the picture. But my friends, taking God out of creation story is a mighty big task. Well, I've given you all kinds of reasons that we believe in the creation, but they're just facts. And it comes back to faith. But there's an illustration. Sir Isaac Newton had a perfectly scaled down replica of what they then knew of the solar system. And it was built for his studies. It was a large golden ball with as the sun in the center. And all of the known planets revolved around that. He had a series of cogs and belts and rods. And it was an incredible machine. But one day while Newton was studying his model, an agnostic friend came in and saw this and he marveled at the machinery and asked, who made this exquisite thing? Without looking up, Newton replied, nobody, nobody. His aunt, friend said, is that right? Yes, Newton said, all of these balls and cogs and belts and gears just happened to come together and wonder of wonders by chance they began revolving in their set orbits in the perfect timing. You see, if we're going to hold evolution, then that's what position we hold to. That it just all randomly came together and there was no designer. Newton made his point that day. The battle still rages. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.